table for you guys. Yeah, hey, hey. Uh, if we have not had a chance to meet, uh, my name is Isaac, and as Doug said, I'm one of the pastors here. That's so weird. That's, yeah. Um, I want to be clear, though. I want to be clear. Doug is amazing, and Doug is the lead pastor of the table, and I'm just so privileged and honored just to be able to serve with him and get to serve with him and get to serve with the team here, and I absolutely love you guys, and I look forward to every Tuesday. And last Tuesday, if you were here, you know this, was especially incredibly meaningful for me. I think we have a photo here um, where a lot of y'all were able just to lay hands on me um, just to be able to, to bless me and pray for me. Uh, there we go. Um, just that, that's, that photo, as I look at that, that, brings me, that fills my heart so much. Um, just being one of the most meaningful moments of my entire life. And a lot of you have been asking me, hey, Isaac, how was your last week? Like, how'd it go? Um, how, how are you feeling about everything? And my, my response has been, I feel so overwhelmed and I feel so undeserving and I feel so much of love and grace from, from you guys, from friends, from family. Um, it's been, last week was an incredible week as we got to think through um, all this. And I really, as I've been talking with you, um, it seems what I've noticed, both personally and what I've noticed here at the table, um, it seems like God is moving. All right, it seems like God is, God is like just doing incredible things. I don't know if you came, it's your first time here, you kind of sense something going on here. Maybe you've been hanging out with us the last uh, couple months. Maybe I've gotten plugged in the last month. It just seems like something's different. It seems like something new, something fresh that God is moving, going on. Maybe um, you're, you're plugged in here at the table and you can see that. Maybe you're plugged into one of our missional communities and you've seen that um, serving in the city or you've seen that as part of your new life group. Um, we just launched a bunch of new life groups last week. Maybe you've seen that at uh, one of the missional community dinners. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we have another photo with our, our missional community for young professional singles. Uh, we get to have this incredible dinner all together. We had a blast. We did this epic uh, rock, paper, scissors tournament. Ser- true story. We're like, we're like literally chanting for the winners like at the end of the tournament uh, at, at this house party. It was incredible. And I just see and sense, and as I've been talking with you guys, it's the same thing, that God just seems to be moving. God seems to be doing something new and something fresh. And even in my own life, it seems like, man, I'm in a really, really good spot in life. I'm really enjoying life right now. Things are just going really well, both like here at the table, here at First Orlando overall. Um, it seems like in my friendships seem to be thriving. My family life seems to be going really well. Um, my sister just gave birth um, uh, six weeks ago, a couple months ago, to my, to my niece, um, along with my other three-year-old nephew. Um, things are just going really well for me right now. Six months ago, things were not quite as well. I was feeling really relationally dry. I was trying to navigate some stuff around here, trying to navigate some relationship stuff. I was not, I was feeling really dry relationally. And my suspicion is that maybe for you, things are going really well, right? You're really liking life. Like things, like you just got a promotion at work. Friends are going really well. Um, maybe there's some romantic stuff going on. Just got engaged, just got married, right? Or some promising prospects going on. Things are just going you're in your spiritual life. Your relationship with God just seem to be thriving right now. But six months ago, it wasn't like that, right? Or maybe it's the opposite. Maybe six months ago, things were going really well, and you were just like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I love life right now. Or maybe a year ago it was like that, or maybe six months or a year before that. But right now, you're like, you're frustrated because things are not going well, right? And then the other part, too, is that you look around, and things seem to be going really well for other people, and you, you, one, you're happy for them, but two, you're also a little frustrated because you're wondering, when is it going to be my turn, right? Like, when, when, when am I going to have, like, good things happen to me? The hard part, too, is that it may, maybe you were, you've been doing the same thing, and it's just not working anymore. Like, maybe you had um, this friend group or this life group, and you were there. Right? And then you're still with it, and it's just not going as well as it used to go. Or maybe you had the job, like you were really excited about it six months ago, and now it's just not quite working as much anymore. So here's the big idea for this message series, because here's really setting up what we're all about. The reason we feel this is because there are seasons of our life. So that's the series that we're jumping into. There are different seasons. And here's the big idea for the message series in this season is that God's movement in our life may seem different depending on the season you're in. 
God's movement in your life may seem different depending on the season you're in. Maybe in friendships, in job, in romantic relationships, your relationship with God. And we know this about seasons, that different seasons require different methods, right? So part of the reason that things are not working now when they were working before is because it requires a different method. And, but, and the method that we're working is not necessarily working in this season. It was working in a previous season, but in this season, it's not quite working as much anymore. So God's movement may seem different depending on the season that you're in. And uh, we have this quote by John Piper. He says this. He says, God is always doing 10,000 things in your life, and you, be, you may be aware of three of them. God is always doing 10,000 things in your life, and you may be aware of three of them. So as we think through this series, as we think through this message series of seasons, here's our goal. Here's our goal. Our goal is to raise awareness to how God is moving in your life. And part of the way that we're going to raise awareness is to help all of us identify which possible season that we're in. And as we can identify the season of our life that we're in, then we can help us think through with good lenses some perspective on how God may be working in us and through us in that season of our life. So as I was thinking through this and thinking through God moving and thinking through different seasons of our life, I was thinking, man, is there a way, a hopeful way to help us think through this? And I actually thought of a profession, um, an industry, and I thought of the, um, the, the oldest industry in the history of the world that goes all the way back to page two of your Bible. Don't turn there. But it goes all the way back to page two of your Bible. And we thought of the farmer. Why the farmer? Because the farmer recognizes that there are seasons, right? The farmer recognizes that there are different methods in these different seasons. And the farmer also recognizes that the farmer is utterly dependent on God's providence. A farmer cannot cause his crops to grow. A farmer cannot cause grapes to grow. A farmer cannot cause there to be harvest. But what a farmer can do is depend on God's providence. And as he utterly depends that God will provide, and the farmer is responsible for what he's been given to steward well the things that utterly depend on God and his providence. So the question that we're going to look at, looking at the farmer, is what does the farmer do when nothing is happening. What does the farmer do when nothing is happening? And so we're going to look at Matthew, Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. Um, so if you have your Bibles, you can look there. If you have your apps, it'll be on the screens here as we think through the farmer and how the farmer, what the farmer does when nothing is happening. So we're going to take it in Matthew chapter 13 where he says this. Hear then the parable of the sower. So he's talking about parables. So what is a parable? A parable uh, means like to cast, to cast alongside. So uh, parables are interest, really interesting because they're not quite illustrations. Parables are um, on the surface level, it means one thing, but the meaning is actually hidden deep beneath. So that in order to understand the parable, you really have to dig in to see what's going on, right? There's a, there requires a lot of curiosity to understand the parable. But that's not what I'm talking about today. We're not talking about parables. So let's, let's keep moving on. So he says, here then the parable of the sower. So what is the sower? The sower is someone who casts a seed. So what is seed? A seed is the word. In Greek, the word is logos, right? Which is Jesus, which is truth, right? So as we think through the sower, the sower is basically casting seeds of truth, but we're not, talking about, uh, we're not talking about that today either. We're not talking about seeds necessarily, right? So then he gets to the word here. Hear then the parable of the sower, right? So the, the word here actually comes from the Hebrew word uh, shema, where it means to hear, right? So this means to pay attention on, to focus on. Right? We want to put all of our attention, all of our understanding on this, is that really the, the word, when we think of hearing, we think of understanding. Um, so maybe I can illustrate it this way. Um, so growing up, uh, my parents uh, would call to me in another room, and they'd call me my name in Spanish, Isaac, and they said, Isaac, go clean your room. And I said, okay, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I got you. Five minutes later, Isaac, are you cleaning your room? Like, yeah, 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 I got you, I got you, I got you. 10, 15 minutes later, come in. Isaac, I, I thought, why aren't you cleaning your room? Didn't you hear me? Right? 
So why did she not, my mom, why did she not think that I was hearing her? Because I wasn't doing anything. So in order to hear, there requires action, right? There requires this understanding that results into action. So was I, I wasn't actually hearing my mom as she was asking me to clean my room. And that's what this word here is. This word here is not divorced of action, right? It requires listening, understanding, and doing something. But that's not what this message is about either. So what are we talking about today, right? What are we talking about today? We're talking about soil. That's what we're talking about. So let's look at verse 19. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path, right? So we're thinking through seeds that were sown on a path. Um, So uh, Walt Disney, this is very interesting, Uh, Walt Disney, whenever he was thinking through uh, theme parks and and Disneyland and some other stuff that he was involved in, uh, what he would do was he often kind of create this thing and not really put any sidewalks yet. What he would do is the crowd would come in and then they would kind of dictate, kind of see where the natural flow was to things, and then he later would come in and then lay a sidewalk where the path was. Right? So this path was set because it was packed down really hard by people's feet. And this path, you could easily see it because things just stopped growing. Because the, the dirt was so compact, so packed down, that nothing, nothing could get in there. Right? And that's this idea. This idea of the seed that's sown on the path can be described as the hard heart. Like the path is incredibly hard, incredibly compact, uh, and nothing can come in. That way, whenever truth, the seed, lays on this path, the birds come and then snatch it up and take it away because it wasn't sown deep in there, right? So people with a hard heart, I mean, you may know these people. These are people, this, this could be you. These are people that have had a really bad experience before with truth. These are people that have had really kind of burned out. Uh, these are people that maybe have, have come to church before and then just had a really, or maybe grew up in church and then had a really bad experience with that. This is your, your coworker, right, that you try to, to speak truth to, maybe talk to about Jesus, and they're just unreceptive. They're just not listening. They, just, they don't care. They are so disinterested, right? Why? And, then I, and I, I talk to you, some of you guys about this, about, hey, how do, I, how do I talk to my coworker about Jesus? They just don't seem to be interested at all. And the reason they're not interested is because they're not interested. Why? Because they have a hard heart, right? Their, the, their, their path, their heart has been so beaten down, so trampled, so hardened on this path that whenever truth, it can't seep in. Um, there's, no, there's no root. And um, the example, or sorry, the reason... Uh, the reason that the heart is hard is because all of us started out this way. All of us started out with a hard heart because all of us started out blind to truth. Uh, th- the Bible says that the enemy, he has blinded our eyes to truth. He has put a covering that we literally can't see. So all of us at one time were so unreceptive, just had a really hard heart in regards to truth right? So the enemy, he's doing everything in his power to keep people from seeing truth, right? He's, he's doing everything possible so people don't see the goodness of God, so people don't see the greatness of God, so people can't see wholeness and restoration, where people see brokenness and think it's normal. Why do people see brokenness and think it's normal? Broken relationships, people that just argue all the time. Why? Because they think it's normative. Why? Because the enemy has blinded them. Or people that just blow up, blow up in anger all the time, right? And have no regard just for how people feel. Why? Because the enemy has blinded and they can't see wholeness and restoration and healthy relationships. Or people that just can't keep a job, right? And they just keep burning out and they just can't keep a time schedule, can't keep a calendar, are incredibly irresponsible. Why? Because the enemy has blinded them to truth. He's blinded them to this to wholeness and restoration in their life. So that's the first soil, is incredibly hard heart, right? Incredibly hardened heart, the seed, the truth that falls on the path. But it keeps going here, it keeps going in verse 20. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Okay, great. Sorry, this is somebody that there's rocky ground, like, okay, um, and immediately receives it with joy. That's good, right? Well, let's keep reading. Verse 21. Yet has no root in himself, but endures for a while. 
And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. So, so who is this? This is somebody with a shallow heart. This is somebody whose roots did not go deep. Right? This is somebody who initially showed a lot of promise and originally they were like really excited about, about things and excited about truth and excited about faith, but this person did not pass the time test. Right? It's, it says here right, that he has no root in himself but endures for a while and when tribulation or persecutions arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. Um, this is somebody that I would call them um, an emotional churchgoer. And maybe, um, for, maybe if you grew up in church, maybe you went to this thing called youth camp. Anybody go to youth camp? You saw this. You saw this at almost every youth camp, right? Where they're there, it's the last night of camp, and you're tired, and you're exhausted, you haven't eaten for, I don't know, five days. You haven't, you've only had like two sips of water your entire time there, and you're just, you're just dehydrated, and you're so like emotional, and you're kind of like, there's been like this blooming crush over here, so you're a little like, what's going on over here? But you're like, no, no, focus on Jesus, but your eyes kind of turn, but no, no, focus on Jesus. You're trying, and overall, just very like everything, just, you're just crying a lot. I think you just get really emotional, and then they sing in the song, and then like somebody, either Lucas or somebody like Lucas was there, and Anna and Justin were there, just singing incredibly, and you're there like, oh my gosh, yes and amen. You're just praising, oh my gosh, right? And then um, they, give, they give the message, and it's incredible, and you're like, I love Jesus, and you're crying. And then... Uh, and then they give, and maybe, maybe you're not, maybe you've, that it's, maybe you feel like you've like, um, as they say in some churches, backslidden your last year from the previous youth camp. You're like, oh my gosh, I got to rededicate. Or maybe you've never dedicated in the first place, right? So then they give what's called an altar call. And you're like, oh my gosh, and you're, you haven't eaten in five days, and you're exhausted, and you're just like, you're you have no idea just like relationally what's going on, and you've been staying up all night, and then they give this call to follow Jesus, and you're like, oh, yes, and you come running down the aisle. And then what happens two months later, right? But before that, before that, you say this, they say this at every youth camp, I'm going to stay on fire. I'm not going to let the fire go. I'm going to stay on fire. It's going to be different this time. It's going to be different this year. What's happening? What's going on? The root is not going deep. The root is staying shallow, where initially there's a lot of promise, but the roots are not digging deep. Listen, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of youth camp. I love camp. I was at Camp Orlando this past year. It was an incredible experience. I am terrified every time. I'm terrified. Why? I'm terrified of the roots not going deep and ha people having the shallow emotional experience. Right? And then here's what happens is that people get saved at camp or people get sa kids get saved at VBS and kids ministry. And it's the same thing. The roots don't go deep and they're still at church every week. And then um, so they, they know a lot of Bible. They grew up in church. They grew up knowing the Bible. Right. And then what happens? They go to college and they party. And you're like, oh, my gosh. How like what happened? That, wow. I never expected that from them. I expect it. <laughs> I, I do. It doesn't surprise me. Why does it not surprise me? Because one of the soils is shallow. One of the soils is on rock. One of the, so one of the soils, the roots do not dig deep. So when given persecution, right, they're out. Being a Christian is easy when all of your friends are Christians. Whenever just going to church is something that you just do with your family, whenever you just wake up early on Sunday morning, hop in a car, and then go, that's easy. Whenever you start having to cultivate this faith on your own, it gets a lot more difficult. Whenever you're in a setting outside of your Christian private school, the church that you grew up in, or whatever setting, Christian culture setting that you grew up in, whenever things change, when persecution comes, when you have to endure a little bit, that's a lot more difficult. And it's a lot, more, it's a lot easier to go to Bedside Baptist, right? Hear a pillow preaching, right? So that's exactly what's going on in this text right here, right? He says that has no root for himself, endures for a while, but when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. So the person with a shallow heart, this is the, the emotional churchgoer. Their, the relationship with God is completely dependent on feelings. And when the feelings are great, things are great. And when the feelings are not there, there's no faith. These, a lot of people with a shallow heart, they want a savior only Jesus. What does that mean? They don't want to go to hell, right? They're like, oh yeah, hell's bad. I don't want to go to hell. Um, I, wanna, um, 
I want to go to heaven. Oh, Jesus is the way to heaven? Sure, yeah, I'll follow Jesus. I just really don't want, they just want Jesus to rescue them from their pain. They want Jesus to rescue, to help them with their current situation, but have no desire to actually follow Jesus and pattern their lives after him. These are, these are our shallow heart friends, right? These are cultural Christians, right? These are people that have good morals, people that have a lot of Bible knowledge. Man, but whenever the freedom from structure, there's no more structure, there's no more faith, right? So uh, my heart breaks because I think we see this a lot, a lot, unfortunately. Um, in the last five years, we have had like mega church pastor after mega church pastor after smaller church pastor after small church pastor, no longer pastoring. And to some, not even a Christian anymore. Why? Because tribulation came and they did not, they did not endure, right? These are people that burned out. Some have gotten a divorce, Right? Some have um, committed a moral failure. These are not people that have endured to the end. Also, I mean, I, I love um, Anna and Justin and Lucas, and I pray God's protection over them for the rest of their lives, but I think we see this a lot with musicians as well, these Christian musicians, to where like, things are amazing and they kind of rise, and whenever, for whatever reason, like being on a platform, people like look up at you, like both literally and metaphorically. <laughs> Um, and then tribulation comes, persecution comes, and some of our friends don't endure to the end. And the reason is because the soil is rocky, right? The soil, the roots did not dig down. There's a lot of promise at the beginning, but it didn't pass the time test. And that's one of the biggest lessons that I've learned here um, at the table and being here at First Orlando and being in Orlando is the importance of the time test. There's a lot of people that have, when I first got here, showed a lot of promise, didn't pass the time test. The same way, as we see, we'll see in the future ones, it goes the other way as well, right? Where some people, they sneak up on you. They sneak up on you. Let's, let's keep reading. Um, verse 22. For what was sown, so that's soil number two, is the, um, the shallow heart. Let's go to number three. Verse 22. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Okay, so what's going on here? So we have, um, so the seed, truth, truth was sown among thorns. So there, there's some weeds, some thorns going on. Um, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of this world, right, and deceitfulness of riches, they choke it, and it proves unfruitful. So here's what's going on. In this soil, there's the seed, which is trying to grow, and also present there is also weeds, and thorns, and they're both competing for the same soil, the same nutrients, right? They're both, so this is the, the distracted heart, the distracted heart. These are things that are competing f for, the, for the nutrients of the soil, right? So you can't have two things growing at the same place. Something else is going to win. And what this text says is, look, if you have thorns, if you have weeds, they're going to win out every time. Every time the thorns will win, right? We have things that are constantly competing for our affections. So this is the, so I think we can see this kind of in apparent ways and a little more subtle ways. Um, so the apparent way is this is the person, uh, maybe you've seen them and maybe this was you, one foot in the church and one foot in the world. Where you're coming to the table every week, you're coming on Sunday, but man, you are, there's a lot of other stuff going on um, that church friends don't know about. And in the same way, your other non-church friends don't really know much about your church life, right? You're really good at just keeping things separate, right? So you're here, you probably know a lot of Bible, maybe grew up in church, or maybe exploring church, and um, there seems to be a lot of goodness, and you feel good, and like, yeah, that's good. And then over here, I mean, you're just having a really good time in the world, just having fun with this different kind of set of people over here. And you have both going on at the same time. You have one foot over here, and one foot over here. You have this good experience over here, and you have this good experience over here, right? And, just able to, and you're able to manage it well. It's a bit exhausting, it's a bit exhausting, but you can manage it well, and you've been managing it well for a while. And at first, you had a couple slip-ups along the way, but eventually you learned how to navigate it to where you could be like, yeah, I'm good in church world. Yeah, I'm good in the world over here, right? I know that some of us, some of us here, right? So that's an apparent way. Um, a slightly more subtle way um, that, that we see this is um, Jesus gets added to the lot of things that we do, right? So church is one thing that we do. Okay, great. And then work. Okay, so then I'm done Jesus on Tuesday and Sunday and life group. Okay, we're good. Okay, church world. I'm oh, sorry, uh, work. Okay, work. I'm, I'm advancing my career. I don't really think about Jesus too much in my work world. Okay, we're good. Okay, family. I'm thinking about family. 
Okay, this is good. Okay, now I'm going to think about um, relationships. Okay, we're good. And the life is so compartmentalized, right? You're just like, okay, managing this, managing this, and there's no integration of life that's going on. You have multiple things that are competing for your affections, right? And you're just, and Jesus gets added into the big, uh, the big pot of things, and he's just one of the ingredients in your life, right? Truth is one of the ingredients in your life as we're thinking through um, the soil, right? So I was working for um, a, uh, my, the first job that I had out of college, I was working as a video producer at a church. And this church was in an incredibly influence, affluent area of town, right? It's one of the richest parts of Dallas. And so the church, there was a lot of people with a lot of wealth, a lot of affluence, doing really well in their careers. And also, the, these people um, also had children, and uh, they, were, they weren't quite, so have you heard of helicopter parents that just like hover? These weren't helicopter parents. These were lawnmower parents. Lawnmower parents mow over any obstacle that may come in the way between their and their kid's success. Right? There's a difference. Millennials, um, millennials kind of had helicopter parents, and even late Gen X had helicopter parents. Millennials had helicopter parents. No, no, no. Millennials that are having kids now, they are lawnmowers. They're like, oh, I'm going to one-up you on mowing down any obstacle, right? They're like, oh, you thought you were protecting me? No, 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 no. I'm going to just trying to show, show off and show up. So, so these lawnmower parents, what they would do is they wanted their kids to be really successful. So, so they would then, because they had affluence and wealth and stuff, um, they would hire the best coaches and teachers and trainers and send them to the best private schools and send them to the best church in town to help their child follow Jesus. Because that would help their child succeed in life and help the child just overall become successful and Christians seem to have morals. So as a parent, I'm not really going to invest in my child's spiritual life, but man, we're good paying customers because we tithe at that church. So we're just going to send them to the church and hopefully the church can fix my demon kids, right? <laughs> So what's going on here? This is mixing. This is adding Jesus into multiple things going on in your life, right? So this is when this soil, um, the thorns, the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, they will win. When we have weeds in our life, when we have things that are competing for our affections. Um, even, even this morning, this morning I was trying to prep and kind of put some final thoughts together for this, trying, just trying to be helpful for you guys for this new series. And this morning, like my, my, my phone, I'm me- messaging Doug a little bit this morning. He's like, hey man, how are you feeling? I'm like, hey, I'm feeling good. God put this thought. He's like, okay, cool man, praying for you. Other people are like, hey, I'm praying for you. Uh, my phone's buzzing over here. I'm, I'm getting Instagram over here, Facebook over here. I'm trying and then I have music going and I'm just really distracted and my mind is just so foggy. So then finally I was like, oh my gosh, I'm soil number three right now. I'm so distracted. And it was so hard just to focus and laser in on who Jesus is and what he wants to say in me and through me today to be helpful for you guys because I was so distracted with everything that was going on in that moment. So in that moment I prayed, I was like, Father, still my heart. Help me just to focus on you. I want to be helpful. I want to, I want to prep. I want to put in the time and energies to be as helpful as possible for the table tonight. I'm so distracted. There's so many different things competing for my attention right now. But Jesus, help me just to focus in on you. It worked. So that's uh, the distracted heart, just multiple things going on. Not necessarily bad, just multiple things that are just competing for our affections um, in, our, um, in that. So we get to the last one. We get to verse 23, where he says this. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields. In one case, a hundredfold, and another 60, and in another 30. So what's going on here? Finally, we get to the fourth soil. And for the first time in the text, it's good, right? The first three are not good soils. This is good soil. So what happens in good soil? It bears fruit and it yields. And also notice what's going on here. This is the one who hears the word and doesn't just hear it. This is like me. This is not like me thinking I'm kind of hearing my mom but not really doing anything about it. This is someone who hears the word and understands it. This is me if I would have actually gone to clean my room. Eventually I did multiple times. So this is someone who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit 
and yields. And this is what happened whenever the fruit and yields. Sometimes it's a hundredfold, sometimes it's 60, sometimes it's 30. Here's the big idea. The number doesn't ultimately matter. Because what happens is whenever we start comparing numbers, then we start comparing fruit with one another. And comparison is the thief of joy. So we look at somebody else's fruit and we're like, oh man, they have, they have 30 fruit, but I'm doing better than them because I have 60 fruit. Oh, but that person has 100 fruit. Okay, well, I'm, I'm glad that I'm better than the 30 fruit, but I'm not as good as 100 fruit. So we still ultimately are dissatisfied even with our 60, 60 yield return. This is what happens whenever we start comparing. So the text here is saying, look, the yield doesn't actually matter. What matters is that there's, there's fruit right? There's yield. There's harvest going on. It has blossomed to something beautiful and good, right? So the point here is to recognize that the fruit may be different for different soil, and that's okay. Whenever we, there's different things that are produced in our life, we don't have to compare. We can just be content with the fruit that God has given us, and that is okay. Okay, so I talked about the four soils, and then, we, if you remember earlier, we talked about, um, hey, what do you do when you feel like nothing is going on? And you're probably still wondering that question that we set up earlier. Hey, what, is, what do we do when we feel like nothing is going on? And now we just spent the last few moments talking about four soils. What the heck do they have to do with each other? Right? You may be wondering that. Here's what they have to do with each other. If you want God to move, the first season he will move you into is getting your soil ready. If you want God to move, the first season that he will move you into is getting your soil ready. So the big idea is this. Dig the dirt and get your soil ready. Dig the dirt and get your soil ready, right? A lot of times we're frustrated because we don't think there's seed, right? We think, oh, man, I just need more seed, more seed, more seed, more seed, more seed. I need more seed. I see seed over there. I see seed over there. I see seed with my friends. Why don't I have any seed on my turn? But friends, the problem oftentimes is not, the problem actually is never with the seed. The problem is always with the soil. So when we want God to move, we want to see God moving in our life, we want to see growth, we want to see fruit in our life, we have to dig the dirt and get our soil ready. The first season is always the season of preparation. So whenever we feel like nothing is happening, perhaps it's because our soil is so hard. Our hearts are so hard that no seed could ever penetrate it. Or perhaps that we don't see anything working is because there's rocks and it's not going deep. And then we keep saying like, oh, well, that kind of worked, but then it didn't. And that kind of worked, but then it didn't. And that kind of worked, but then it didn't. It's because our hearts are rocky. Well, for some of us, they're just storms. There's things competing for our hearts, right? So whenever we want God to move, we kind of see that, okay, that kind of worked. But, man, I was having to manage a lot of other stuff, and I was just really burned out in that season. There was so much going on. I was really stressed. I was so busy. Why? Because we're distracted. So we've got to dig the dirt and get our soil ready, right? Man, for some of us, we feel so lonely. We do. We feel lonely. We just want friends. And we're just seeking, mate, perhaps you're here at the table. Perhaps you went to group lunch. You're in a life group. You're looking for friends. And, but you, yet you still feel lonely even though you're around people, right? It's possible that the reason is because your soil isn't ready, right? So you have these relationships that could potentially be really awesome relationships in your life, these seeds, this truth, right? In your life, this true relationship focused on Jesus, right? And the reason that we feel like nothing is happening is not because of the seed, not because of the potential friendship. It's because our soil isn't ready. Dig deep and get your soil ready. For some of us, it's job, right? We just feel like, oh man, like nobody, there aren't any jobs out there and I'm applying and I'm applying and I'm applying and I kind of had this job and then I don't anymore. And why don't, why, why am I not getting promotion at work? Why is my career not advancing? What's going on here, right? I just, I need to pour, just put more seed, put more seed, put more seed. Why is this not working? I'm frustrated because this isn't working. The friends, the problem is not with the seed, the problem is with the soil. It's possible that the reason that things are not working in your life, you feel like nothing is happening in your life, is because the soil isn't ready. Dig deep and get the soil ready, right? For some of us, it's, it's relationships, right? A lot of us here, right? We're looking for Mr. Right. We're looking for Mrs. Right, right? We're, we're just waiting. We're trying to find the right person. We're trying to just thinking through these romantic relationships in our life, and then nothing is happening. Nothing is happening. Nothing's happening. Something kind of happened, but then it didn't, right? There's a lot of promise. There's a lot of kind of distraction going on. There's a lot of things happening, but ultimately nothing's coming to fruition. There's no fruit in my life when it comes to romantic relationships. Dig deep and get the soil ready, it's possible that the you're not the person that the person you're looking for is looking for. 
right? You're looking for this amazing person. You're looking for this amazing person. That's a quote from Andy Stanley. You're looking for this amazing person. <laughs> and you want them, and you think, man, that could be really good, and you're trying to, like, post up next to them and hope they notice you and kind of see what's going on there. The reason things may not be working is because you're not the person they're looking for. There could be a number of reasons why, right? Not bad, necessarily. But one of them could be your soil's not ready. Or what about, what about our relationship with God, right? Our relationship with God. We see other people seem to be thriving spiritually, right? They're memorizing scripture, right? They're leading life groups. They're in residency, serving at the table. They just seem to get attention of people, and people just seem to notice them in spiritual settings and, and spiritual gatherings. You're like, oh my gosh, like why, why is it them and why is it not me? Like why am I, why not being noticed? But I don't even, honestly, I don't even care right now. I'm just, I don't really even care anymore. I'm just kind of showing up, just seeing what happens, you know. Dig deep and get your soil ready. The first step, sorry, the first season is preparation. The first season is digging deep and getting your soil ready. So if we think that nothing is happening in our lives, it's possible that we're in a planting season, right? There's no harvest yet. There's no growth yet. It's possible we're in a planting season. And in a planting season, the first thing is getting the soil ready. So I think that at times, though, we get frustrated. We get frustrated in these seasons, again, because we think the problem is with the seed. The problem's not with the seed. The problem is in the soil. Dig, dig the dirt and get the soil ready. So how do we do that? How do we do that? How do we dig the dirt, get in there, get into the ground, till the ground, plow the fields? How do we do that? Two words. Hear and do. Hear and do. Every single soil it referenced hearing. It referenced hearing from God. And the way that we hear from God is not that we just like, okay, yeah, I read, I read this Bible passage and then forgot about it. Okay, God, yeah, I think you may be like speaking to me in this thing, but uh, I'm just not going to, okay, that was good. That was helpful. No, no, no. When we hear from God, we do what he says. When we hear from God, we do what he says. So we want to be laser focused in what God is saying. And oftentimes it comes through things that are unexpected. When something unexpected happens in our life, it's possible that God is trying to get your attention to teach you something. When some things happen, some, some things aren't going on, you're like, man, I really thought in the season things would be happening right now, but things aren't happening right now. Why is that? Because you've got to dig the dirt and get your soil ready, and the way that you do that is you want to hear from God and do what he says. So the way that we hear from God and do what he says is we can observe what's going on in the situation— Right? Just, wait, what's everything going on? I mean, I really thought my life would be different right now. I really thought I would be in a relationship right now. I really thought I would have a promotion right now. I would have a different job. I really thought my family life would be better by now. I really thought that just spiritually I would be much further along than I am. Hear from God and do what he says. Right? When we are laser focused in what God is telling us, then we will be laser focused in what we need to do. Right? A lot of times we freak out because life is not happening the way, the way that we want it to. And we're so frustrated and like, man, things seem to be working over here, but they're not working with me. That person over here seems to be getting so blessed in all these ways, and I don't feel like anything is happening in my life. In this season, we hear from God, and we do, we do what he says. And we know as the farmer is completely and utterly dependent on God's provision, we know that God will provide as we cultivate our hearts to have good soil with truth. So here are some practical ways to do that because it kind of depends on what kind of soil you currently have, right? So as we're thinking through, okay, well, how do we hear from God and how do we do what he says? How do we do that? Here are, it, it depends on the soil that you may have, and there are multiple ways that that could possibly be done. Let me give you what I think may be helpful for you depending on the soil that you have. So number one, the hard heart. The hard heart. Here's what you do. Ask God to prepare and soften your heart. Ask God to prepare and soften your heart. Because the reason 
that we have a hard heart is because we're blind. So this may, honestly, this, this one may be the most difficult because this is the one that's kind of impossible. This is the one that we utterly need God's help because we are incapable of softening our hearts on our own. We can't do it. And this is why at work you have the hard heart, right? So with your, with your coworker and you're trying to, you just keep inviting them to the table and they don't want to come, they don't want to come, they don't want to come, and you're really frustrated about it, it's impossible to change their heart outside of God's help. Even with ourselves, right? Even some of us, as we had this amazing, incredible musical worship experience, I mean, some of us were just like, we're not feeling it. And we haven't felt it for a long time. And even as I'm speaking right now, you're just like, when is this going to be over? Come on, I've got to go. It's time to go to um, Ale House. <laughs> Ask God to prepare and soften your heart. Dig the dirt and get your heart ready. Dig the dirt and get your heart ready. Number two, the shallow heart. Remember, this is the, the emotional response Christian. This is the Christian that loves Jesus as a Savior, doesn't really care for him as any, much anything else. So what do we do with the shallow heart, Christian? Follow Jesus with your practical life. Follow Jesus with your practical life. A lot of times we like Jesus as Savior, but we don't want him talking about our work life. We don't want him talking about our sex life. We don't want him talking about our relationships that we should have or shouldn't have. We don't want him speaking into our family life. We just want, Jesus, you stay over there. I'm good. Save me, but I don't want to listen to you anymore. Here's what we do. Follow Jesus with your practical life. Whenever Jesus reigns in our heart, he speaks to every area of our life, as difficult as it is to hear. We hear from God, and we do what he says. When Jesus speaks, we listen. When Jesus speaks, we do, right? So we want to follow Jesus with our practical life, every single area of our life, right? That thing that you just keep falling into, follow Jesus with your practical life. That thing that keeps coming up and you're frustrated about it, follow Jesus with your practical life, right? This is, the, again, this is the one that, that I fear so much because this is the one that there's a lot of times like, yeah, I'm a Christian and yeah, I don't really do much about it or think much about it. And yeah, I like Jesus, but I'm, there's not too much going on. The shallow heart, follow Jesus with your practical life. Um, there seems to be a, have you ever heard the phrase, um, I was thinking about this recently, um, when people tend to over-spiritualize, have you heard that before? People t- and meaning, and people that tend to over-spiritualize, they're always like bringing in God or um, Jesus into every single conversation. There was a, a comedian um, that, um, named uh, John Acuff, and he came up with this idea of the Jesus juke. Um, so let me describe the Jesus juke. So he was at an airport, and he saw a guy doing push-ups at Starbucks at, at the airport. And he posted, because he thought it was funny, because it was funny. <laughs> So he posted it, and somebody responded, if only we were that dedicated with our faith, family, and friends. <laughs> wah, wah, that's a Jesus truth. Like, okay, okay. So at times, people, you know, we, at times we get frustrated when people just over-spiritualize things. We're like, okay, like, here, here's my thing, though. I don't think the problem necessarily is over-spiritualization. I think the problem with people that we think that are over-spiritual with under, this is not a word, but I'm going to say it anyway, under-practicalization. <laughs> Meaning there, there's a minimization of the practical life, right? When people that are so spiritual just want to talk about God all the time and Jesus all the time, they're just bringing God into every conversation. That's not necessarily bad, but it is bad if there's never any mention of practical life and how Jesus intersects with practical life. That's part of the reason I'm so terrified of, of a lot of youth camps is because there seems to be a divorce of the spiritual life and the practical life. And we know that when we follow Jesus, there's not your spiritual life, there's not your practical life, there's only one life. And Jesus works through your practical life, right? That's how we grow. All growth is spiritual growth. We're going to talk about growth next week. But all growth is spiritual growth. So whenever we follow Jesus with our practical life, we surrender everything to him and we allow him to speak into every area. Number three, the distracted heart. The distracted heart. Remember, the distracted heart is the one where the weeds and the thorns kind of grow in the same area, right? There's a lot of things that are competing for affections, a lot of things trying to go, to, go on there, a lot of things trying to get your attention. So here, here's the practical for the distracted heart. I mean, sometimes you've got to change your playmates and change your playgrounds. If you feel distracted, if you have one foot in church and one foot in the world, pick one. Because doing both is not going to work. And maybe you've experienced that. And maybe that was you. And now you're like, yeah, you're right. That doesn't work. I'm just going all church. Or for some, they had both and they're like, man, no, the thorns run out. 
on Go All World. So I'm telling you, if you want to see fruitfulness in your life, if you want to uh, dig the dirt and get your heart ready, for some of us, what we have to do is have to change our playmates and change our playgrounds. And number four. Running a little low on water, but we're wrapping up here. The ready heart. The ready heart. So how does getting your soil ready look like with the ready heart? What is digging the dirt and getting your soil ready? What does that look like with the ready heart? This is the good soil. What does that look like? Scatter seeds and listen. Oh, thanks, Pastor Doug. Appreciate it, man. Keep talking. (laughs) What a servant of the Lord. Thank you, Doug. Uh, Scatter seeds and listen. What happens whenever plants blossom? Scatter seeds, right? When plants blossom, there's a seed scattering. So I think for a lot of us, um, you know, as we're thinking through kind of the four areas that I, that I keep mentioning, right? So for some of us, we have good soil. We do. We have good soil. We've gotten our heart ready. We've prepared our hearts to receive truth, right? We have it, and we're still kind of in this expectant season, in the starter season, in this planning season. Nothing is, nothing is wrong with that. Here's what we do. Scatter seeds and see what happens. Go hang out with a person over here and see what happens. And then later over here and see what happens. And then over here and see what, just, just see what happens. Scatter seeds and see what happens. I think for some of us, we, there's no scattering of seeds. We just feel like nothing is going on. And then we just complain. The best thing to do if you know that your soil is good, if you're ready to receive truth, right, if you know that you're in a healthy spot, is just scatter seeds and see what happens when it comes to friendships and relationships. And some of you have been doing that, and I am so encouraged by that. And you, you're like, man, I look, I'm looking for community. I feel like I'm in a good spot. I just moved here, or I'm back here. Um, I've, I've been, I was away, but now I'm back, and I'm here, and I went to group launch, and I found this amazing community and a live group, and now we're best friends after like a month. What happened? There was action. There was scattering of seeds. And, and, and there was fruit that happened because of that. Right? Or in, um, in career, right? For some of us, we're, we don't know what we want to do. Here's the best part of being in your 20s. You get to explore. It's amazing. Right? I know for a lot of us, um, we, we've explored and we kind of figured out some things we like and things that we don't like. So when it comes to career... Explore, figure out what you like, try different things, right? You may have thought you wanted to be one thing, right? And then you kind of set your entire life, and then it didn't work, and then you feel like nothing is happening. Look, scatter seeds, try other things, try multiple things, just apply a lot of different things and just see what happens, right? For some of us, man, we're looking, again, we're looking for romantic relationships. And for some of us, you think that you have a type, right? And you're like, man, I only like this type, and he has to be 6'4". This is for the guys. 6'4". So 6'4", 220, Bill, wears flannel, has a beard, right? <laughs> wears farming boots. <laughs> right? We think we have a type. Or for, for guys, whatever. <laughs> but the problem, the problem in this, like, only going, the problem in going, at, only going after one type is, listen, listen, I'm being, slight turn here. That type may come from some childhood wound that you're trying to fix. So, so you got to blow up the idea of a type, and you got to scatter seeds and see what happens, right? Scatter truth around, get to know different people, take it, process it with your life group, with your Christian community. This is not a series on dating. We're gonna do, we'll do this in February, right? But just some practical, some practical, helpful advice right now, right? Just scatter seeds and see what happens, right? As you're pro- setting healthy boundaries, processing with Christian community, scatter seeds and see what happens, right? And um, lastly, right, when we think about our relationship with God and the ready heart, we're ready, we want to do ministry, but we don't know. I know I've been talking with some of you, and you're like, man, I don't know. Man, I just want to do something. I don't know what to do. I just want to do something. I'm ready. Like, I just, I don't, I don't know what's next for me. I've been, you know, I was kind of exploring other things, but now I'm in church world, and I've been loving it, and I've grown so much, like, over the summer and this fall, and my life's incredible, and, and God has changed my life, and he's, he's used the table, and he's used First Orlando, and the young adult ministry to change my life. What's next? What's next? What do I do? What do I do? Here's what you do. Scatter your seeds, Right? And listen, listen to God. Try a lot of things. We have this thing um, called the residency, and here's what the residents do. It's kind of like a, a lecture and lab, right? A lecture and lab. So 
the, during, the, during some, the early portion on Sunday morning, they basically get taught, like in a class, and then during the next hour, they try almost every ministry that we have here at the church. Right? They, they, one week they're, they're teaching in kids' ministry. The next week they're serving in students. One week they're going to the Portuguese service. Um, I mean, this coming Sunday we're all going to Daytona. What's going on here? What Doug is trying to do through the residency is just help people scatter seeds and just see what happens. Right? And, and through the residency, people have like, oh my gosh, I think I love kids' ministry. This is amazing. Or for, uh, for some, they're just like, I just want to serve. And some people have started serving here at the table. They're like, oh my gosh, I love serving here at the table. This is incredible. For, for some people that I've talked to recently, um, they're like, man, I don't, I don't know what I want to do. I was like, what do you think? And I was like, hey, what about student ministry? Just try that. See what happens. Right? Man, for those of us that have good soil, that are ready to take the next step in our, in our relationship with God and just want to give back and disciple others, sow seeds and just listen. Just listen to God. And as we're doing all of this, whatever soil you're in, whether you have a hard heart, a shallow heart, a distracted heart, or a ready heart, here's what we want to do. We want to hear from God. We want to do what he says, right? So what would happen if I heard from God and did what he says? What would happen if over here, you, the section over here, you guys heard from God and did what he says? And this section over here heard from God and did what he says. And this one over here heard from God and did what he says. What about over here? Heard from God and did what he says, right? What would happen? And we dug the dirt and we got the soil ready, and we we're just ready in the season where we just did, nothing was necessarily happening, but we were just expectant on getting our soil ready and just knowing that God was going to provide and we were going to depend on Him. And as we hear and we do, and as all of us hear and we do, and as, God, as we're hearing and doing, and God is moving in us, and God is moving through us, that's how a movement happens. A movement happens when individuals hear from God and do what he says, right? And that's what I'm praying for Orlando is that a movement happens here in Orlando and the way that happens is all of us collectively will hear from God and do what he says. And the first season is a season of preparation, is digging the dirt and getting the soil ready. So we're gonna sing um, as a response. If you will, just um, close your eyes and I'll pray for us. Father, we thank you so much for who you are. God, I thank you that we can just, um, just hear from you, God. We can do what you say. God, and I'm praying that the soil of our hearts, that you give us good soil. God, that we are faithful to depend on you, knowing that you will provide. God, as we cultivate our hearts. God, as we dig the dirt and get the soil ready of our hearts. So we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.